Hey, it's Karen here. And before we begin, I want to take a moment to tell you about something special. After my own cancer diagnosis, I realized the importance of having a helpful and simple resource. That's why I wrote Happiness Through Hardship, a guide and journal for cancer patients, their caregivers, and friends. Like a good friend, this book will provide practical tips and resources, as well as a few stories providing hope. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed, I encourage you to send them a copy of my book. Half the proceeds also go to the Cancer Couch Foundation, where 100% of the donations are matched and fund metastatic breast cancer research. Please go to prettywellness.com forward slash book to learn more or buy directly on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target.com. Let's begin. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book, Happiness Through Hardship, a guide for cancer patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me. Success stories of people that have been through hard times and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. If you've liked these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. Or reach out to us at Pretty Wellness on Instagram. We love connecting and sharing healthy lifestyle resources. So please, grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce you to Christina Flack. Christina has so many accolades, accomplishments, and experiences in life, both successes and hardships, that I don't even know where to begin. She's a single mom, a celebrity makeup artist, a physically and internally beautiful woman, a brilliant entrepreneur building an empire as creator and CEO of Pretty Girl Makeup. While she's inspired by beauty around her from art and fashion and music, she is no stranger to darkness. She's a child who lost her mother at a young age, a mother who lost a child, Bo, and a widow who lost her husband, Ken, to sepsis. She's dealt with significant hardships her whole life, yet she still is often smiling even in the face of these tragedies. Today, Christina is going to share a bit about her story and how she's managed to put one foot in front of the other. Christina, I am beyond excited that you're here because you and I just spent so much time at the top of this before this interview talking, and I felt like I just wanted to keep talking and talking and talking until it just felt like the right thing to do to press record. So others, we had an interview before the interview, we had an interview before (laughs) the interview, and yet I felt like it was so easy when we were like passing contact back and forth, like like old friends. It's like, I got this information for you. Exactly. I I felt like that as well. It's so nice to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. I am, I am honored to have you here. Like I said, you have a ton of accolades and accomplishments and, you know, whether it's being a mother, uh, being, I mean, 
an ambassador to the Sepsis Alliance, to all the various clients that you have helped, you know, make them feel beautiful both inside and out from what I've read and what I've watched and what you do. You really have a lot of talent as well as a huge heart. So thank you. That's so kind. So I want to open it up and, and tell your story. Well, I know we could spend three years or maybe, you know, I'll say 18 plus years because you don't look, you know, much older than 18. Oh my God, Um, I love you. (laughs) um, See, we're best friends. No, just kidding. I know that I, you're clearly into beauty and makeup. And I think I read something about how your first inspiration came from a time with your mother. Do you want to start and tell us a little bit, I guess, about how you evolved to be who you are today, whether it's starting with her or even you know, some of your other stories. Okay. Well, my mother was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer when I was eight. Uh, She had a 1% chance to live one year and she ended up living 13, which was amazing. And this was a long time ago. So it was really a miracle. It just shows you how one's will will keep you alive. Right. I love that. I love that. And I love that this is at the top of this too, because so many people who listen have chronic illnesses or, or cancer or know somebody who's got cancer. And for you to share that success story, sometimes that's what people just need is a little bit of hope. Absolutely. You can never give up. You just can't give up on um, wanting to live and living life every day to the fullest and loving every minute of it and not wasting time. I I see so many people wasting time with their not loving their job or where they live or finding the right person to love or, oh, I'm not ready or losing whatever. I just feel like every day you should wake up, be thankful for the day and set an intention of what you want the day to be like. And I think when you tell the universe what you want and you're super clear, the universe will open doors and, you know, help you to create the life that you want to have. So I've, I've manifested all of this, uh, of, of my career. Were you always this way? Were you always, or was there a moment or several moments that helped you evolve to be this? I definitely have had, uh, guides and teachers that have helped me, uh, I've had, I have so many amazing uh, friends that are intuitive and motivating. And so I've learned, I've learned to become this, but then I've also just through the steps I've had, I don't like being unhappy. It feels foreign and I hate it. I, I don't even know, right? I don't even know what a bad mood is. I know it's something that feels off. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I having a bad mood? Cause I don't, I don't have them often and it feels so yucky. So my girlfriend makes jokes that my friend, Diana Stobo, uh, she's like, you're Disneyland. You don't even know how to be in a bad mood. You know, it's against everything. So, but I mean, of course I have moments all the time where I'm depressed and sad, like everyone else, but I know that there's things I need to do to get out of that. So for example, my husband passing, my son passing, my mother. So by the time my husband had passed, I had experienced loss with my son, which was horrific. He died on Christmas day when he was four and a half months old. And it was awful for my children, my kid's dad. It was just terrible. I mean, it was a lifetime movie that will never be aired. You know, a little baby dying on Christmas day. So I went through a very dark period for about a month. 
And then my family and friends were like, okay, enough of your wallowing. I was taking sleeping pills in the day just to numb myself because I didn't want to feel what I felt. It was so painful because I'm not a good drug addict, evidently. (laughs) I do best uh, when I'm waking up, having my green juice, like we talked about, taking my supplements, meditating, being grateful, exercising. And I also realized that so many people, my children, if I'm a disaster, it's going to affect them. And so I love my kids so much. I don't want them to have an unhappy life. I want them to be inspired and motivated by me. And so I knew I had to get it together, which I did. So when my husband passed, I knew that I couldn't even go down that dark road. I, I actually started exercising twice a day. It wasn't like hard workouts. It was just like going out for a walk, going to yoga, Pilates, hike, uh, going, riding my horse, doing something. I knew that if I got too tired, too hungry, or too anxious, everything was magnified and so much worse. So that is one of the things that I have really learned to do is when I get into a place where I'm not feeling my what I am right this second, I think, okay, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Have I not worked out? Have I not meditated? What do I need to do to get out of this? Do I need to go lay down for a minute, turn on a, a, the Calm app and just, just rest my mind for a minute? And that usually helps. So I think we have to, everyone has 24 hours in a day. You have to decide how you want to use them. I don't want to hear from anyone. Oh, I don't have time to work out. Guess what? I have a company that I run. I am a mother of a lot of children. I have, you know, I'm, I'm doing photo shoots. I'm doing all these things. I try and do my philanthropic work. I've, I just finished working on a TV show with Tyler Florence for the Food Network two days ago. For the last six weeks, I was going back and forth to LA with him. And I would wake up at 5.30 in the morning if we had an early call time to go work out because I know that I can't take care of my client until I, you know, as well as I should, if I, how how do I say this? I have this really amazing energy healer in Canada, Diane, who has taught me, I, you can't give an orange unless you have a basket of oranges to give. So if you know that, you know, you have to take other care of others, it's not a bad thing to take care of yourself and give yourself an hour for exercise and eating well and you know, for the day, I make sure that I have my water, my snacks, whatever it is I need to feel good. So I'm not eating craft services on a set, which there's piles of junk. And I could have gained 7,000 pounds and, and, and gotten into it in a funk, you know, you put rubbish into your body. Well, and that's the interesting thing is that people don't realize now, listen, you, and to an extent me as well. Like I, when you talk about how like that, how awful it felt. And you just, you know, what is this? And you didn't understand it. And it didn't feel good. Like I get that because that's what I felt, especially with my stage four diagnosis. I wasn't used to it. Now, like, like you, I have my bad days. I I do sometimes like have bad moods, things like that. But I usually, I can find something that peps me up. And I, I, I will say like, I know not everybody is like us in that way. And that's okay. That's them. However, what you were talking about, all these points about taking care of yourself, whatever that looks like to the specific person, that it can be so helpful on many levels. Right. You know, and that's what I think is, is beautiful in a sense 
when, you know, after Bo passed away and then when Ken did, that you knew what you needed for yourself, but you weren't so much thinking about yourself. You were thinking about the uh, other people, but that you had to come full circle and make sure that you were taking care of yourself. I also feel that helping others during times of grief is like um, important because it kind of helps you focus on something other than yourself and you're trying to help others. And I really do feel like that has helped me through this grieving process. I don't think grief is hard enough to deal with. Okay. But if we can do it in a way that we're helping others and perhaps seeing someone else happy will give us a little bit of joy. I think it's super important. After Ken passed from sepsis, the Sepsis Alliance contacted me and asked if I'd be willing to raise awareness for sepsis uh, in Ken's honor. And, and I thought about it and I thought, you know, that would be a really great thing to do because Ken and I were unaware of what sepsis was. And I thought that would be a great way to help other people not feel what I feel and kind of distract me from the pain that I was going through. And then I also kind of came to the thing that I was on a hike one day and I could hear my husband telling me, cause I would have conversations with him in my head. <laughs> he talks to me um, that how hard it is for him to see me, you know, laying in bed at night, crying and sad. And I just thought, wow, how would I feel if I looked down on him? Uh, how, how would I feel if I would look down on him and my kids and they were so devastated and unhappy that would kill me because I couldn't comfort them the way I normally would. So I thought the best thing I can do is to honor my husband is to have a happy life and a productive life and to help others. So that's kind of what I've been doing. It doesn't mean I don't miss him. And it doesn't mean that I, you know, don't like this grieving thing, but it's not making me, it doesn't mean I miss him less because I try to be happy and have a productive life. I, I think people feel that, oh, well, if you, you need to be miserable to be grieving, which is crazy. Now I want to talk, I want to take a slight left turn here and talk a little bit about sepsis because I got to be honest, like I didn't really know much about it until my second bout with cancer. And I think that, and, and the reason I'm bringing it up here, because I mean, grief is real and you know more, more so even than, than I know, and, and everybody reacts to it differently. And, you know, so to each person, they're going to feel the way they're going to feel. And you've presented, like we said, a few, um, a few ways that it helped you. But when you said how you're giving back and to you, it's been helpful to help with the Sepsis Alliance. I want to open this up and talk a little bit about sepsis because, you know, now being a stage four patient, I am aware that that's some of the fear when your um, white blood cell counts go down so low that you could go into sepsis. However, even I don't know that much about it. And I would love to have you educate the listeners for a moment about sepsis and what symptoms to look for? So seps, if your listeners can go to sepsis.org and scroll down and there's going to be a little graph that says time. And what time means is T is for temperature. You can be incredibly hot or incredibly cold. That's why sepsis is a little confusing. I is for infection in some place in your body, whether it be in an an infected tooth or a cut, or in my husband's case, he had bronchitis that had turned into pneumonia. Um, 
And then let's see, M is for mental decline. It's hard for them to kind of rouse. They're just a little bit mentally not thinking clearly. And E is for excruciating pain. You feel like it's a pain that doesn't feel normal because your organs are shutting down. And hopefully it doesn't get to that point. But if you have any of those symptoms, get to an emergency, ask, tell them that you think you might be septic, uh, get a blood test. And, in, and then at that point, they'll put you on an IV antibiotic and you should be saved. But there is a time frame. Sepsis isn't one of those things. It's not like the common cold where you say, oh, I'll, 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 if I feel terrible tomorrow, I'll go to the doctor. There are no tomorrows with sepsis. If you have any of those symptoms, get to the doctor, take a test, and hopefully you're not, but if you are, they'll get you on an IV antibiotic and, and you won't go into septic shock. Your organs won't shut down because once that happens, there's no turning back. Now, as you're saying this, I'm remembering, I, I was telling, you know, to the listeners, we were talking before this and I was sharing how on the chemotherapy regimen that I am on, that has been their fear. If I get a fever, my body can't regulate itself and can't tell us. Right. And so when I have gone to the hospital on two occasions because I had a fever and they did put an IV of, of antibiotics in me. And, yeah. I, you know, I think that was because my ANC was really low and that was what their fear was. Absolutely. It's sepsis is shockingly, it is so fast and furious. My husband, just to give you a time frame of how my husband had a cold turned into bronchitis. We had called Kaiser Permanente in California, who was our doctor at the time, uh, they didn't see him. They put him on the doctor over the phone. And that's the other thing. My big, my next big cause is doctors uh, treating you over the phone and not seeing you, or at least on a Zoom. Um, if you don't get seen, go on. Can I just jump in there? And yes. for the rest of the world who doesn't know, because while I introduced your husband's name, your husband, is it was he a two-time doubles um, let me see, a two-time Grand Slam doubles champion, correct? Yes, He's sure. this tennis, oh, I want to say wizard. That doesn't seem like the right, like uh, um, a tennis celebrity and yes. absolute excellent athlete. So he probably knows his body too. He does. He was a, you know, a gold medalist in the Seoul Olympics with his partner, Rob Sagusu. They were number one in the world. They were on the Davis Cup team for, I think, nine years. He was an amazing athlete. So- on Wednesday, we called the doctor. Uh, they gave him the wrong a cough medicine with codeine, which is another something to be very careful with. If you have a cough, an infection in your body, and you take cough medicine with codeine without an antibiotic to counter it, it will make the infection grow like a wildfire. And that's what got my husband septic because of that. So within 16 hours of that conversation, my husband was on life support and wow. never regained so consciousness after that. So that was th Wednesday. We spoke with the doctor Thursday. I rushed him to the emergency by Monday. All his organs had shut down his arms and legs turned black. And when I asked the doctor, like when that discoloration was going to go away, because I was in major denial, uh, they said, well, if he survives, we'll have to amputate his arms and legs. And so I knew at that point I had to like acknowledge that he wasn't going to survive. And there was no way if my husband couldn't golf, drink a beer, love his kids, love me. Like that was no, he would, he would have figured a way to murder me. That's for sure. So we had to take him off life support, but that's how fast it happened from Thursday to Monday. And honestly, by Friday, 
it was over. I mean, it was just over once he, once you, he had gone so far uh, into the septic, it's just, there's no turning back. So that's why I'm saying, if you have any of those symptoms, get to the doctor and get a blood test. It's not something you want to wait about. Well, and ask the questions too, which is why you being an ambassador is really such a beautiful tribute to him is that you're educating people on what to look for or be aware or maybe, you know, hey, I'm no, I mean, listen, I've been dealing with cancer 17 years, but I am no medical expert. And so even you're educating me completely now. And so I have other questions that I can ask. And hopefully the listeners for you out there, we're not having this conversation or, or any of these conversations for that matter to scare anybody. We're doing it to educate people Absolutely. so that they know. Absolutely. It's so important to, to be educated because sepsis isn't one of those things, like I mentioned earlier, that you can give it time. You give it time, it's going to take over your body and take your life. I have had so many people. I One of my dearest friends now, she heard an interview like this and she DM'd me on a Facebook, which I rarely check, but I did. And she said, I think my husband's septic. What do I do? And I said, get him to the doctor quickly. She did. They said, well, they don't think he's septic. And I'm like, get a blood test. You know, like I'll show up with you if you want, if they're going to be pain. They did finally test him. He was septic and she saved his life. And so she always calls me her angel. And she's like my sister now, but sadly, two years later, two days before my husband's two-year anniversary of his death, her husband passed away from sepsis again. I, you know, got sepsis and then passed away. And so, you know, she and I have become like the best of friends. And it was through my doing these interviews that she heard me. And I'm so, you know, she always thanks me for getting those extra two years with him. You know, I wished I could have had two more years, two more minutes with my husband, you know, and it's awful that he was my everything and he was taken away from me. It goes back and now I'm a little teary eyed as you're talking, but it goes back to what you said really earlier about how living every day, man, we see so many things on social media that say, you know, live in the moment, be present. And, you know, I, I think I'm wired in a way, I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like you're wired in a way to really embrace that. But do you, do you have any thoughts or suggestions, maybe people you know that are not driving the ship of positivity? How do they look like live life to their fullest? It's so funny. I'm thinking of one particular person in my life who's, he, he, he's very complicated and, and doesn't, you know, thinks he needs to clear up all his past before he can move forward. And, and I'm always saying like, your past is past. You can't change it. All you can do is make change moving forward. I think people have their own paths and there's nothing that we can do. Maybe someone will hear our conversation right now and that will inspire them. But it's, it's, I think people really have to do their path the way the universe has it planned. I would love everyone to live in the moment and live their best life and be happy and loving and positive, but not everyone is. And I guess that's their lesson in this lifetime. All we can do is inspire. Well, and hopefully we can inspire. And in doing that, it motivates them. Like maybe we're educating them in a little few ways, but it also we're getting them to a place where they can educate themselves and whatever that might be. I mean, you right. and I can talk about healthy living. Like I want to hear some of your favorite healthy living treats, but I also 
or I say and, and I also <laughs> would like to hear all about beauty because for me, if those you know who follow me on Instagram or know my my company, we started out calling it pretty wellness because it used to be about being pretty and now it's about being well. So a lot of the modalities when I was diagnosed with not even my first cancer diagnosis, my second cancer diagnosis, I really did change my lifestyle because you know, if nothing else, it's because I didn't want cancer to have all the control. I wanted to have a little bit of control or what I believed was control. Now, I will say there's a lot of different literature back there and things. And, you know, this episode isn't about um, about bringing up all the statistics on, on healthy living and what it can do. But there are a number of studies that talk about all sorts of modalities with wellness that it can help us with healing. And if nothing else it really can help us feel good in our own skin. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, beauty and wellness and, you know, what kind of hits you in the heart. So I think beauty comes from the inside out. And obviously someone that has positive energy is always going to appear much more attractive and happy. You can't, I, I can, I am an amazing makeup artist, but I can't, people's energy really comes through in, how they are. So if they're not feeling good, it's going to show. And so I do feel like it's super important to drink a ton of water and have the green juice and sleeping is so important. We as Americans do not get enough rest and it's sad. We don't exercise enough. We don't take enough time for fun. It's important to have balance. We need to work hard, but we need to rest. We need to have fun. We need to have things to look forward to and be grateful for honestly, what we have and not what we don't have, or, oh, I'm going to be really happy when, no, just be happy now. It, it, it's, it's so funny. I feel like you and I have had this thing where like, we get it. And it's so hard to transfer that to other people. It's like, how do you not see that you have everything or, or how do you want your life to be? Like, if your life was going to end, is this how you would want your last days to be? And if it isn't, then change it. And the only person that can change it is you. Well, and that's what's so powerful, but yet people don't realize is I think a lot of what we're saying, people know, you know that you're going to feel better if you exercise. I will say though, I didn't know I would feel so much better when I slept. Sleeping oh, right? was something, when I was in corporate, I bragged one time to one of our head executives about how I had just had my son and I was back and I was, you know, doing all this great stuff. On four hours so, sleep. Right? On three and a half hours of oh, sleep. Oh, look at you. And I was, that was, well, that was the number I told, you know, that was. Um, <laughs> I was like bragging about it. Like, oh yeah, I can do it. And what I didn't realize was, you know, it took me after I left to go to grad school and then I got sick again. And so then I had to leave grad school and then, you know, after a few weeks of a lot of stress, obviously once it sunk in, I started to sleep more. And I didn't realize how different I felt without that, you know, when you go on such little sleep for so long. And it's hard to, and it's hard to start sleeping again. Like I, I've had five kids and I, it's very hard for me to sleep because I would go so much time waking up with them. It's hard to retrain your body to sleep. But it's so that's why I turn on this, these meditation apps when I go to sleep too, because after Ken died, he was my ambient. I would smell his neck, fall asleep through the night. And then after he was gone, 
I couldn't sleep. I wrapped his clothes around my head to smell him. And then once his smell was gone, I, I would take these, you know, sleeping pill at night. It wasn't working. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try these meditation apps. And it, that honestly calmed my mind so that I could fall asleep. And I've had to, it, I still wake up in the night uh, and I'll read my book on, like I read on my iPad and I'll read it on dark until I can kind of calm down my brain again to fall back to sleep. But, oh my gosh, sleeping. It's so funny when they say, oh, you know, you got to get your beauty sleep. It's true. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing, can I brag, not brag, but can I tell, I'm telling all the listeners, um, one of the greatest compliments I just got is when this amazing celebrity makeup artist is looking at me and is like, oh yeah, I can tell you drink a lot of water because you have nice skin. Oh my God. I, I, you know, what's so funny. I can tell in five seconds what's going on with people. And when I got on with you this morning, I thought, oh, that's a green juice girl. That's a water girl. Yeah. She, she exercises and rests. Oh, she's from my tribe. I knew it. I love it. And as I told you, and I'll tell the listeners out there to make it like, you know, this really is just a, a conversation among girlfriends right now, but uh, my college roommate saw me a few years ago and she's the type of person that just says it like it is. And she was like, you know, Karen, your skin looks so good. It never looked that good in college. Although she probably wasn't that high pitched a voice, but sorry, <laughs> Anne. Um, She's but- going to hear this and go, uh, hello, that's not I my know. voice. I'm going to get a call or a text, be like, what? You you know, but you know, it was, a, it was a compliment to me. And I was kind of laughing because that we call our honest Anne, like she would tell us the truth, the good things. And then sometimes the things were, you were like, oh, that wasn't very nice. But, um, but she always meant it. She has a huge heart. And so she always, she always um, meant well, but it was, you know, from her too, I was like, well, see, this is, this is, I've changed my lifestyle. And while like, I believe in green juices, I believe in eating tons of fruits and vegetables, but also like the, the hydrating yourself of, you know, good fluids. It's not, you know, right. Like, I used to drink a lot of pretty coffees that doesn't cut it like with the whipped cream and all that in it. But all right. So sleep is important for beauty. Um, Hydration is important for beauty. Is there any other like top tips you give people when it comes to like makeup? Well, I am really into uh, face oils like um, apricot oil is fantastic for your face. Make sure you take your makeup off every night. The mascara has to come off. I can't tell you how many people that I meet that go, oh, I don't take off my mascara. You're going to get an, that's an eye infection waiting to happen. Um, It's really important. Obviously the sunscreen, the hat, the sunglasses to protect your skin. It doesn't, if you don't protect your skin from the sun, there's nothing that even I can do to fix your skin. Uh, It's real. I can tell you don't spend a lot of time in the sun. Your skin looks really good. And I think what else? Oh, mascara only lasts three months. Get a new mascara. And mascara is my favorite. What about all these? Like you see so many people like wearing the fake eyelashes. Uh, Oh, you you mean those animals on top of their eyelids? Yeah, yeah. Have you seen? Okay, it was so funny. I drove up to a Starbucks the other day and I, the girl that was this very nice girl at Starbucks took my order and honestly, I thought she had like a chia pet on her eyes. I, I, how do you open and close your eyes? It was so, I, I am all about looking like the best version of you, but it needs to be realistic. And you never want one thing like in your makeup to be like, oh, wow, lots of eyelashes, pink, blue, green. 
you don't want to really see you don't want anything to be taking up that much attention that you notice it. You just want to go, oh, wow, they look pretty and they have a nice look. So that would be another thing I would say. When, it, when you try to get your foundation match, it should blend into your skin. It shouldn't be light or dark. It should just kind of disappear. And I have another funny thing people tell me, oh, I match my foundation with my hand. Well, your hand and your skin, your face are like totally two different colors. So just match it with your cheek and make it disappear. And that will be the right color for you. Well, and it's funny as you say that I maybe still do that, but I don't, I mean, personally, I didn't start wearing foundation until I started doing all this TV work. Then I was like, oh my gosh, like I'd see the difference on the camera. And so I started to do it and I hope I've gotten a little better about it. That's some good advice, but I was trying to do it to my hand and it really didn't make sense because I walk a lot and I walk outside and while I'm you know, hopefully wearing sunscreen, a lot of times my face is, is you know, is a different color than my hand is. To well, and that's another thing. Putting sunscreen on your hands is equally as important as your face because your hands are out a lot. They show age. They age just like your face. So it's really important to put some sunscreen on your hands, especially when you're outside a lot. That is really good. Important. I, yeah. I, for, I as, as I'm saying that, that came out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, that would be a good idea. That's great. No one tells you that though. No one tells you to put sunscreen on your hands. I don't, I don't hear many people saying that. Well, and what's interesting now, okay, so when we were growing up, maybe there was like one or two people that would be our role models in a specific space. Today, there's so many influencers out there, you know, probably a million that are awesome and a million that are eh and a million that are not so good. That's but sure. nonetheless, like you don't know who who to be inspired by. I guess like if it inspires you to do something you want to do, maybe that's okay, but uh, you know, I, I did not that I cut you off at the beginning of, of the conversation because I really love when conversations flow, like they yeah, flow, but you then we start off. I'm sure I've cut you off. Too. <laughs> uh, but, but we, we were, te I was teeing up the beginning of the conversation and talking about kind of what inspired you to do all this. And, and, and you were, I, I had heard a story of something about your mom. Yes. And so. And so I do want you to be able to do her justice and the story justice okay. by letting everybody know, like, this is kind of where it began. So my mom was going out with my dad for dinner one night and I was trying to get her like dressed up. And my mom was incredibly beautiful, but she, you know, from so much radiation and chemo, she had lost her hair, her skin was discolored. And I just thought, oh, well, let me make you up. I had no idea what to do. She didn't have a lot of makeup, but I miraculously managed to, even out her skin and make her look like the best version of her. And what really touched me was not obviously that I was so happy with how that she looked, but what really touched me was how she felt. So it really changed her demeanor. It changed her energy. It changed everything, how she looked. And so that's one of the things that I love about makeup. It's not that it's a superficial thing. It's, it does give you, when you feel good about yourself, you are more confident. You are positive. I just did about a month ago, I did a pro bono uh, makeup lesson for a teenage girl named Ivy, who's amazing and I love, but she came, she has a really interesting story and she came over and I did her makeup. She didn't know like how to pick a foundation or how she wanted to learn how to do her makeup in a tasteful teenager way, which I thought was fantastic. But it was so amazing. She sent me a note after saying like, I didn't realize 
how different I was going to feel. I felt so good about myself. I applied for this to go study abroad for the summer and I got it. And it just, she and I are really good friends now. And her mom sent me a note as well saying like, you have no idea how that changed my daughter. And I, you know, I, we talked about like, you can have the life you want, you have to create it. And so it's so neat that I can, by teaching someone a few little makeup trip tricks that they can feel different and be the best version of themselves and have a life that you think, oh, I'm only dreaming of that life. No, you can have whatever you want. You just have to have a goal. I have this great quote right here. It says, it's hard to beat a person who never gives up. Babe Ruth said that. And I love that quote. That's you, girl. Well, and my family comes from a they all love baseball. So that's me. Thank you. And that, yeah. that, you know, anything Babe Ruth, uh, Yankees fans here too. Of course. That, um, thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's so kind. I, I, um, I can relate to these stories you're telling because I remember, um, one of my dear friends lives in LA and she got married in Malibu. It was quite gorgeous. Uh-huh. And we were, um, we had our makeup done at, what is it? Shutters on the Oh yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. It's that yeah, yeah, one yeah. famous Santa beautiful Monica. in Santa Monica. Yeah. And at that point I was I was traveling for work all the time and so I was eating like we were talking about um you know when you said you go on to sets and like there's all this like garbage food out. And so I'm petite. If I gain a few pounds, oh, when I you're notice tiny, it. like yeah, when you're how tall are you? So, well, I say 5'2", but I think I'm more 5'1". Okay. I'm a little taller than you. I'm five, four and a half. I say I'm five, five. I'm telling you 50, you know, 50 grams on us. It's like, I'm like another size up. So yes. believe me, yes. when you're tiny, you, every little cookie, you know, shows. Well, and, and I will say that she had a beautiful, like it was a Nicole Miller you know, sheathed dress for yeah. the bridesmaids. And like my back, it was down my back, right? It was a gorgeous dress, but because, you know, I, I could only wear so many pairs of Spanx, <laughs> I didn't feel so confident. And then I had my makeup done. I think it was the first time, like a, an artist, like had I had my makeup done at the counter at, you know, the mall. Yes. Many times because you got awesome free samples back in the, you know, nineties. Yeah, they're salespeople. They're not makeup artists. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I learned. And maybe they had a passion back then without YouTube. It must've been a little harder, yeah. but I had a real artist do my makeup. And what I learned from that is like, yes, if I could afford it, I'd always have someone do my makeup. But what I learned is that to your point, it's, you know, to, to, for me to feel the energy, I just might need to, you know, put a little makeup on or fashion is something that I've gotten a little bit more into. Not that, I mean, I'm at a lot of baseball fields because my son plays. Um, Not that I'm dressing up necessarily, but how you put yourself together if you're feeling down in the dumps. And I think that's where I'm going with this. that's true. That is true. To put on a little makeup, to dress up, even if you feel like, oh, I can't buy clothes until I lose those last five pounds. I'm not going to buy new makeup because I'm really pale right now. Let's wait till the summer. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I don't, I want people to stop doing that. You need, like, it's even more important when you're on a, you're trying to lose weight, get a new pair. If you lose five pounds, go buy, you know, go to Ross, go to TJ Maxx, get some cheap jeans, $20, $10, whatever. It's important for those milestones to keep you going. You don't want to keep, what are you going to wait till you lose 30 pounds to get jeans? Like that's crazy. You need that. And 
you can get things and it don't need to spend a fortune, but it's, it, it keeps you going. Sometimes you need a little bit of inspiration to keep going. Like, okay, I reached this goal this week. I didn't eat junk all week. I want to go buy myself a little bit of new lip gloss or a new handbag or whatever. It's important to do that. Why do we have to go through this misery? You know, I mean, you are so everything you've said is so poignant is just such good information, good inspiration. And I hope that if you're listening right now, listen, we just want, we just, I don't know. We want everyone to be the best versions of themselves. Yes, 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 yes. And I think that um, life sure does throw a ton of curveballs at us. And listen, it doesn't have to be like, I think you and I both will, will say, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I can oh, tell from do. your energy <laughs> from all the way across the country that, um, you know, we've been through some pretty tough hardships. Mm-hmm. That yeah. doesn't mean that the stress that somebody else, I have so many people saying like, oh, well, I know yours is worse. It's not mine is worse. You know, what? everybody has their hardships. That's true. I went to grief camp after my husband passed with one of my really good girlfriends. And what was so interesting, I read that here's a great book that everyone I think should read. It's called We Plan and God Laughs by Rabbi Sherry Hirsch. Greatest book ever. And you don't need to have lost people. We've all had lost, like we lost a job or our friend, whatever. There's always loss and there's always going to be loss. We have to figure out how to manage it. But the one thing that that she said during grief camp, because everyone had to tell their story. And let me tell you, she told me we were going to a spa. I didn't plan on going sitting in grief camp, which was, let me tell you, zero fun. It wasn't fun at all. It was awful. But everyone had to tell their story. And then there were people that had lost a spouse or some lady lost her bird like 17 years ago. Like There was crazy. There were people there that were like, really? And then I told my story and everyone was like, ready to get up and leave. They're like, you need to just do one-on-one with this lady, her baby, her mother, like all this loss. But what she said that was super interesting, no one's grief is worse than anyone else's. Everyone's grief is equal, even though it may not seem like it, but it's true. We, who, who are we to determine like my grief is worse than your grief? It's not. Everyone's grief is important, but it's, it's how painful. we choose. Of course it is. It's very painful but it's how we choose to handle it and learn from it and, and to try and move through it. I just think it's super important. It, you don't need to sit in this muck of grief. Take little steps. Start with what I said. Did you sleep? Did you eat? Did you exercise? Did you think of things you're grateful for? Did you get outside, get some fresh air? Have you done all those things? Okay. Do, do, do you need to go buy your, I, I remember my husband used to buy me flowers all the time. So then I started buying them for myself on Friday. I didn't have anyone to buy me flowers. So I bought them for myself. It made me happy. We have to figure out how to self soothe. And I think it's super important to figure out how to be happy in our own way. We, we have to figure it out because we're never going to be appealing or attractive to anyone else. If we're just negative and in this murky, yucky place. So, well, and the people that we love that are still here with us, it's, you know, I've found that sometimes just the silly little things that make me laugh 
are what they, you know, like when you have a little kid that they write about at school. It's not yeah. like the, oh my gosh, my mom needed to lose weight or she's going through such this hard time. Like it was those little things. And those little things, I say that because those little things sometimes in your day to day is what can help keep you going. And have helped keep me going. And so I love this. It's like, why wait? Just yeah, try and there's figure. no wait. If you find the person you love, go love them. Don't wait. Right now, you hear this, go tell your person. Tell them you love them. Bang them on the head. Sometimes they need to bang on the head and be told that you love them and they love you. Well, and I am so grateful, grateful, grateful. I want to give you a big hug through this microphone. I am sending you the biggest me, hug right now. Biggest, biggest hug. This has been so amazing. And for all of you listeners out there, if you want to connect with Christina, where should they follow you, connect with you? And I will put this in the show notes as well. Um, you can go to christinaflack.com to look at my portfolio. And of course, please go to prettygirlmakeup.com. Uh, we are offering a 25% discount, uh, discount code with pretty girl. Uh, I get 25% off and then Instagram, Christina Flack makeup and pretty girl is P R E T T Y G I R L M K U P. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, we're all over. <laughs> and I will make sure that I add those. Oh, and sepsis.org, sepsis.org uh, to learn more about sepsis. You are, you, again, you enlighten me and I'm sure so many others who are listening. So oh, I end you. each episode with, if you're new to me, you may not know this, but for those who've been listening, I play the grateful game with each of my guests. And it's something that I do most nights with my son. Would you close out this episode with me? Absolutely. I do it every morning and every night. So now I'm going to do it midday. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So seriously, what's so awesome about creating your own game is you get to create the rules yourself. So I say this to the listeners out there as we are about to play. For, for me, it's just a gratitude list that my son and I, we'd crawl in bed together at night when he was younger and we would talk about what we were grateful for and why on any, you know, on that day or the past 24 hours. And, you know, some people, you could do it at dinner, you could do it in a car ride with, with whomever you want to do it with. But what is so powerful is that once you take anything, especially a mindful practice, like thinking about gratitude, and you start doing it on most days, it becomes a habit. And then Absolutely. for me- I look through the day for things that I'm grateful for. And so I am going to say, all right, I'm giving us 30 seconds here to come up with how many things we're grateful for and why on this day. So of course, I have to say, I am so grateful that you and I connected because I love chatting and it's helping me remind me that, you know what? I put on makeup for you today. Wow. Not much. I put, I put, on, put on makeup on, for you too. You did? Well, thank you. I don't always do it. But I, when I put on lipstick, I actually feel like I like my smile more. So, see, I just showed her. smile. And so I, I, I'm grateful for the reminders and the insight that you've brought. I'm grateful for this lipstick. It's the brand is I-L-I-A. And I want to know you've got a lot of lip products too that I should look into. Yes. Pretty Girl Makeup. Long-lasting natural lip gloss. All right. Oh, natural too. Okay, I'm going to that. Pretty girl makeup. So, all right, I hit my 30 seconds, but I've got two. I'm tossing it to you. Okay, well, I'm grateful for being here today and speaking with you and making, making a new friend. I'm grateful for this beautiful weather. I'm grateful for my children, my work, that I'm healthy, that I'm happy, that I have a lot of love in my heart, 
Um, I am grateful, my gosh, for looking out the window and seeing water. I'm very grateful for where I live. And my puppy that's sitting here with me right now while I do this interview. Your puppy has been so good. He's, we, a puppy. Um, He's asleep. He woke me up like 10 times last night. I gave him some different food and he was a little rumbly in his tummy, but uh, he's chill now. Thank God. I'm grateful. I mean, I would have been fine if he, he started barking, but no, little... he doesn't. He's very, he's an indoor cat. He doesn't say much. <laughs> uh, that, that's awesome. My, my little uh, lucky Sullivan is our little Cavapoo. He's adorable. When he's quiet, he's quiet. But like, if he heard something outside, like a bird, he'd start yeah. barking Going ferociously. Crazy. And he's like this big. But um, so thank you. I mean, you won if it matters. No. But as my mom we says, go. we all win. We all win. My, that's literally my mom used to say, Karen, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's how you play the game. No, it doesn't and matter. And that you play the game, <laughs> right? And you know, my, my sports loving boys will be like, oh yeah, it does matter oh, yeah. who wins. It matters. But with the grateful game, it doesn't. As long as we're playing, it'll hopefully, like, listen, is it going to cure my cancer? Uh, it I might. don't know. It, it might. But you don't it know does. it won't. I don't know it won't. And I do believe that it, if nothing else, it puts me in a better mood. And it helps me see the goodness in the day. And I think my mindset is everything. So everything. thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been such fun being on your show. It's so much fun. So listeners, please uh, check out Christina. Please have a wonderful day, whatever that looks like for you, whether you're playing the grateful game, whether you're jumping into a busy day, but we hope that we've been able to provide some inspiration that will help you put one foot in front of the other and find a little bit of joy during whatever journey you're going through in life. So have a great day and bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you could do me a favor and take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. Honestly, you leaving a review really does help us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And if you tell your friends about us because you love us, they might as well. So let us know your thoughts. Please connect with us directly. We have a ton of fun on Instagram at Pretty Wellness and would love hearing from you. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you so much happiness and great health. Bye for now.